we've developed a low floor battery electric delivery truck. Fast forward today, you see you know uh, Rivian trucks driving around the streets of Toronto. It's just as of a month or two ago, it seems. Raymond Auto is an accomplished engineer, leader, and entrepreneur on a mission to build world-class product design and manufacturing teams who deliver outstanding products and customer experiences. With a professional career now spanning over 30 years, Ray is constantly learning and adjusting course. After graduating from Queen's University in Mechanical Engineering, Ray started his career in automotive manufacturing, moving on to race car engineering and design, and eventually business operations entrepreneurship, and more recently, an angel investor. Prior to starting his company, Inertia, Ray set out and accomplished his childhood dream of designing race cars and then competing as a race engineer and winning on the world stage at prestigious events such as the 24 Hours of Le Mans and the 24 Hours of Daytona. Ray left that world of speed and excitement to create his own exciting entrepreneurial journey with the founding of Inertia in 2004. Recently recognized as the number one best place to work in Canada and one of Canada's growing companies, Ray leads an outstanding team at Inertia, a global hardware, product innovation, design, and manufacturing consultancy with offices in Toronto and Guangzhou. Inertia works with startups to multinationals across a wide range of industries spanning medical device, agricultural robots, internet-connected home products, and high-tech sporting equipment. Uh, welcome to the uh, podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Jim. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, and fun fact that we were connected uh, from CFIN, from uh, Jamil Karim, and he does a lot of work, and I've done projects with them. So what do you actually do at Inertia? I mean, there's stuff that you do, and what does Inertia actually do? So Inertia helps other companies design and manufacture things. Um, so uh, a lot of companies do this, you know, typically do this themselves internally, but a lot of companies do not. We typically work with startups or early-stage companies that don't typically have the team infrastructure of designers, engineers, manufacturing experts. The, the products we're developing are what we call end-use products. So in case it might, some cases might be a medical device or a consumer good. So the, the, when, we tell, when we say the word products, they're not components or parts of products, they're complete products. A lot of times when companies go through that process, you need a, a significant team to, to, you know, to carry that out. And then once the product is in, in manufacture, then... Obviously, you don't need that big design development team and you can kind of scale back. So it works well for startup companies and smaller companies who are on the way to scaling. And I'd say usually we're, you know, we're working with companies up to the you know, 20, 30, 40 million dollar in sales. And after that, they start to build their own internal teams. Building internal teams is really hard, though, right? Because I always think about it as a bubble that kind of moves through your factory. But when you're designing a product, you do really need a bunch of specific skill sets. Yeah, absolutely, and that's um, that's uh, sort of led us to where we you know where we are today in a, in a company. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll rewind back to when I, I started Inertia. I had uh, been working in a, another engineering services company, and uh, I'd started out, uh, I'd say, like as an engineering services company, helping people solve parts of problems, helping to design parts of products, and then it evolved into complete products and. Um, so that's more, you know, people refer to as product development. So you, you need, you know, mechanical engineers, electronics engineers, firmware engineers, industrial designers. And then later, you know, we expanded into manufacturing. And uh, so, you know, that again, just, uh, you know, uh, requires more and different skill sets as well. 
So what is their pain? Like, and I'm kind of wondering, uh, like when you talk to your customers, uh, their pain is probably getting to market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially with startup companies, uh, again, they often don't have the uh, the expertise in house, nor do they maybe want to build that uh, expertise again because they'll they they might not need it uh, after they launch their first product, and so the the pain for them is uh, can be attracting you know very experienced skilled seasoned people because they are small companies and also you know i think a lot of people recognize that once the product is you know launched that there might not be a place for them there so you know what we offer our clients is really the expert team that can plug in and get them to market extremely quickly so the alternative would be you know a startup or a small company to hire an internal team and usually they hire not uh, I would say to a minimum level uh, they they don't hire the full team and so it takes them a lot longer to get there so something that would take a company maybe two three four years to develop a product we you know we would do it in twelve to eighteen months for example so we really you know are solving the the problem of speed to market which for a startup is important because they've got a limited runway uh, and you know they're looking at their their flow every month and need to get to market and start generating revenue so who do you work with at the companies or do you sometimes work with like uh, some of the investors of the company saying oh my god we need to get some help yeah it's, it's usually the founders um, sometimes we are introduced to uh, companies by by the investors of those companies and we do know a lot of the angel investment communities um, and uh, venture capital community but typically we're working with the the founders because the, the companies we deal with are, are usually precede stage so very early stage so there could be one person two people maybe maybe four or five is is very common um, in the startup space and then even as you go into the larger companies where they're doing 10 20 30 million dollars they're still owner operators so we're oftentimes dealing with the owners or you know their their right the right hand upper management I was scanning your bio and looking at a little bit of what you what you do and the word micro factory came on my screen and what is a micro factory well I mean in, in our definition um, we see micro factories a, a small uh, capital light flexible assembly cell uh, used for local assembly of let's call it complex products so again we're looking at final assembly in our in our case um, there's a component of automation, uh, whether it's material handling, assembly, or quality inspection. Also, we define it that, that it's flexible and uh, that it aims to produce a wide variety of smaller batch uh, products as opposed to, opposed to a single you know, monolithic math, mass production type manufacturing setup. I imagine your place is a fun place to work because you've got such different things that you're working on and different projects and different stages of the project build. And you must have a lot of really interesting tools that you use and, and areas. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Early on in the product development process, we are helping people to define what should the product be? Is it the right product for the market? Does it have product market fit? So we start developing you know, user needs, regulatory requirements, and things like that. And we use these infinite whiteboards um, which help us to uh, really lay everything out on the table and explore a lot of information simultaneously. It's, it may sound simple, and it is a very simple tool, but you can really uh, explore information quickly and scan things very quickly rather than something more linear, um, like a Word or PowerPoint. Then we can go into CAD design um, tools where we're using things like SolidWorks and, and now Onshape and web-based tools like that where we can uh, improve our collaboration, especially with 
uh, on shape where we can collaborate with external partners and uh, and vendors and things like that and customers as well. No, thank you for that. That's uh, that's great. We're going to talk a little bit about staff in a minute. What one of the fun things is that you and I have some common clients, people we bump into a lot of times. And so one of the one of the ones I just had on a podcast not too long ago was LabForge. Another client is Canova Robotics. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you've been doing kind of in the automation industry and in this case, vision inspection. The companies that we work with are typically bringing their first product to market. They uh, have to go through this uh, new product introduction phase where and, and, and scale up. So they're often producing a low uh, number of products to start. Um, maybe it could be hundreds to thousands per year and on their way to scaling to tens of thousands per year. And Traditional contract manufacturing, you know, companies are prefer, you know, higher volume uh, projects. So these companies often get lost in, in these kind of bigger, you know, uh, these startup companies often get lost in uh, bigger contract manufacturers trying to get their products launched. And so because we're sitting at that with our customers at that point, you know, a, a product line, we thought, how can we bring a, bre- a better solution to their to their needs? And this idea, this micro factory concept spoke to us because, again, we deal with a lot of small companies, so high mix, uh, low volume, and how do, we, how do we service those clients? And, and up until recently, that was difficult to do competitively. So a lot of what we had to do is go offshore because of just the speed and the, the desire for you know, those companies to want to do that work, local companies didn't really want to touch it. And again, because we're, we're there trying to help our clients find the best way to manufacture, uh, we at the time, we didn't really want to throw our hat in the ring to do contract assembly um, just with people standing at a table and try to compete on, you know, uh, high cost labor and, and uh, of, of local assembly. So with, you know, a few things happening, um, uh, such as the automation and, and vision systems that we've been seeing coming to market through you know these these partners like Canova and LabForge, we had stumbled upon this uh, NGen organization which uh, promotes advanced manufacturing in Canada, and they had put out to offer, I guess, a what they called AI for manufacturing grant, and they encourage people to partner together to bring you know to bring new technologies and methods to market. And uh, um, we put up our hand and in, in, in that group and said, look, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to service our uh, startup and early stage companies with low volume assembly. We want to do it with some kind of flexible, uh, you know, manufacturing method and potentially some automation to help reduce the uh, assembly costs and allow that flexibility to happen. And um, that's where we uh, were introduced to Canova, who uh, manufactures and sells Cobots, and LabForge, who develop vision systems. And there's also uh, another organization, um, CRVI, that's uh, helping to do some of the AI um, image recognition development, or uh, say more, mostly form recognition development, and so what we're trying to do is bring this technology into our into our micro factory flexible manufacturing cell to be able to identify components and pick them up and either aid in the assembly or in the material handling or the inspection of those components and products without having to uh, hard code it. Or even, you know, they call it no code or low code uh, for for those that combination of technology to be able to recognize what it's supposed to pick up and pick it up and put it to where it's supposed to go without explicit instructions to do that. So that's the the long term vision. 
Uh, we've got a lot of work to do still, so we're, we're starting you know, simple and small, but uh, we think we've got some, uh, some great partners. And, and in our place, and this is the sort of the application user of the technology. No, that's great. And I'm going to put some uh, information in the show notes about uh, LabForge, who are located in Waterloo, Ontario, and also uh, Canova Robotics, which are located in Montreal, too, and Engen, which is kind of Toronto and Ottawa-based. So what projects are most fun for you and your staff? We really enjoy uh, seeing, being able to innovate in spaces that maybe haven't really been innovated in a long time or have been maybe, you know, neglected or passed over. There's a lot of, you know, hype hype in different spaces and tech and whether it's, you know, VR or um, other things, IoT things, um, you know, there's there's the latest and greatest always. And then the majority, you know, gravitate towards those kinds of things. But where I see, you know, the when I see places that haven't been innovated and sort of are screaming for help, it's really it's really fun to go in and shake things up and say, okay, how can we do this differently? Um, how can we change people's thinking about, you know, how you go about this, I'll call it not just a design, but a, a, a you know, how does this product service or serve the, the customer, the user? And um, so there's, there's been a, a few projects along the way that we were, were very proud of and have been fortunate to be involved in. Going back a long time ago, we de- we've developed a low floor battery electric delivery truck. This is going back 15 years when delivery trucks haven't been touched in forever. And unfortunately, timing was not in our favor. We were at the bleeding edge and we made a lot of progress and, and, and um, proved a lot of the, the technology and the productivity that, that was you know, intended to be done with this prototype with uh, Purelator, actually. And uh, just at the time, you know, batteries weren't really there in terms of development. And so the project wouldn't, wasn't able to get traction. But fast forward today, you see, you know, uh, Rivian trucks driving around the streets of, you know, Toronto uh, just as of a month or two ago, it seems. Something more recent where, you know, we're, we're, we develop and we manufacture this. It's a, a Bluetooth uh, activated padlock. So padlocks are fairly mundane type products you know and there are a bunch out there and uh, we work with this company Serifor in in, uh, in Waterloo and they're access uh, control security experts and they needed a hardware solution so it's nice just to kind of go into a different you know be able to go into a different industry and come to something that's come up with something that's just uh, very new and different and provides a lot of value to the customer at the end of the day not just technology for the sake of technology um, I think that's what uh, you know. A lot of people drives a lot of people here. Not um, one of the diversity of projects, the different things, but the fact that you know a lot of the products and projects we take on, you know, we try as much as possible to make sure that they have, you know, they end up delivering value of some sort to someone that it's not just about the tech or the gadget. So things like medical devices are always. Uh, you know, nice to work on because, you know, at the end of the day, they're helping someone and uh, that, you know, those kinds of projects really inspire the team and and drive them. They get a lot of uh, fun out of that. When I worked in automation directly, doing work on medical device was was one of those things, you know, you're curing something or, you know, you're curing someone's health or something is a big driver. And a lot of these companies, they don't know what they don't know, which is, I think, one of your value propositions, right? Is that we've done that or we've made mistakes or we've seen mistakes, we can help you not make mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 
So that can be a hard sell sometimes, you know, like it's like, it's like selling insurance, you know, it's, you tell people, look, we've, we've been through this and done that and not usually not on, on, um, their specific product because every product we bring in here is, is somewhat different. We're, we're not often developing the same product for different companies. So, um, usually people feel that their product is, is unique and special and, and, and it is in certain respects, but the process doesn't, you know, it doesn't change too much between, product so that's the that's one of the, the the largest kind of biggest value propositions we can bring to companies we have processes for doing these things for developing you know user needs customer requirements design and development standards manufacturing standards and we can go through those things in a methodical rigorous way to prevent a lot of waste a lot of do-over um, that's what we see a lot out there with companies are trying to develop something and they they get to a certain point and they haven't considered you know a number of things and they have to do it over again or they bring it to, to us and ask can you manufacture this and we say no <laughs> either it can't be manufactured that way or it can't be manufactured with the cost structure that you intend to sell for and that's always not a not a great conversation to have with a company um, which means you know there's going to be some rework to be done and more money to be spent you know there's like billions and billions of dollars being spent in different departments of companies doing the same thing and working against each other so you you just know that the work is out there it's just a matter of kind of them finding you or you finding them yeah absolutely and it's you know it, it uh, again a lot of companies that are a bit bigger they have you know uh, people in house that 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 do do this and sometimes it's just you know people have they have to get to the point where they maybe realize that they're they're not getting there fast enough or with the right level of innovation. So I think sometimes people get if they've been in a company a long time, they get used to how things tend to be, and they get you know, and it happens. You get stuck in your own way way of thinking. It happens to us here too sometimes, and we have to kind of shake our heads and we're like, wait a minute, <laughs> we can do things differently, right? So it's, sometimes we can come as that sort of impartial third party and, and without a you know skin in the game of of that company and uh, poke and prod kindly um, and respectfully of, of helping people to try to think, think differently and, and also bring uh, different perspectives from other industries and products. That's, that's something that we, we, we've done a lot of and, you know, to help inject innovation in different spaces. I like that inject innovation uh, for sure. So are you seeing some trends like in your own business? I mean, You've you've done a lot of really interesting projects, and I'm sure a lot of projects you can't talk about. So, kind of what's happening in your industry? Hmm. Many different ways I can or answer that question. Um, as it pertains to product development or contract manufacturing, um, and let me let me just I guess explain the company a little bit more for people to understand you know what it is we really do and and how companies like us typically exist in the world. So. Um, we're, we're a bit unique in that, um, there are contract manufacturing companies out there that will, you know, manufacture and assemble your products for you. There, are, uh, they don't, but they don't typically design things. There are product development companies out there that will design your product, but they don't manufacture things. And so we're, we're, we're bridging that, uh, you know, those two domains and even a third one, which is what we call product strategy, which it's just more like about defining and architecting the right product for product market fit for cost structure and things like that. So um, this, this has evolved, the company's evolved this way over time. And so, um, you know, we, we've consolidated all those three things into one company to go to, to allow us to go very quickly. Um, 
and so uh, for companies like us, we're a service a service provider. Um, what we see in in the market of companies like us are being consolidated by private equity companies uh, to make you know larger companies so that they can be you know sold for larger <laughs> more money. money. Yeah, and or they're being especially product development companies are being bought by larger consulting companies like Accenture, Deloitte, and things like that because they are you know. They use those product development companies uh, to help, you know, in their uh, help their customers, and and sometimes even you know to do um, to get their foot in the door with you know in terms of proposals or developing products or services for for those bigger companies. So that's been interesting um, to see, to see, um, and so us as a company, we see. Uh, when we see that happening and we, we talk to, you know, different people in the market and other companies, what we've heard is that, you know, these companies, as they get sort of rolled up and bigger and they get more expensive, they get slower, Absolutely. the service goes down. Um, so, you know, we're, we're about 40 ish people, uh, right now. Um, we're aiming to continue to grow our manufacturing services specifically with the micro factory model. Um, because traditionally a lot of our manufacturing and, and just to uh, explain explicitly, we're not doing primary manufacturing like injection molding or PCBA manufacturing. We're doing final assembly. And so we've got a network of companies to do all the primary manufacturing. We're doing final assembly. Um, and so that's where we see our, our business growing is through that um, manufacturing final assembly uh, locally here in Toronto. Um, but also with the microfactory model, we can actually take this model and you know install it you know wherever our customer needs if they want to manufacture in a different market or they want to take it on themselves. So we see this as, you know, not uh, manufacturing for the sake of our business as only. We're going to prototype it and develop it here to service our clients, but we can also um, deploy these uh, for our clients and their facilities. And um, that's that's kind of the vision for for how we're going to grow. So I'm always kind of thinking about, you know, about you attracting staff and staffing up and training your staff can you tell us a little bit about uh, working at, at your company um well you'd probably be better to ask my staff that one <laughs> i'm a little bit bi- i'm a little bit biased on that uh so as it comes as it comes to tr- tr- hiring and attracting uh i've got a huge appreciation for how like the mo- the method and process for the hiring people over the years i've hired uh, a lot of people. I've had to fire some people, which is not, uh, you know, something where you're, you're proud of doing, but you have to do it sometimes. And so uh, we take hiring uh, very seriously. We've honed our our methods and our processes over a long period of time, and that is the starting point for building your team. I mean, well, you know, if you can uh, bring in the right people and the right fit and the right uh, attitudes, then you're you're off to the, a great start. I think a lot of what attracts people to what we do is the is the diversity of the products uh, that we do work on, and um, the fact that we're starting usually starting from you know a very early stage. Uh, people really like to you know to be involved in in, in that process is very creative. It's also very challenging. So um, I tell people when they you know they're contemplating working here i say you know there's there's it might sound glamorous everyone has this oh i'd love to just start from a clean sheet of paper but there is nothing more terrifying than staring at a clean sheet of paper um oftentimes people come to us and they say this you know they'll have maybe maybe some kind of uh 
uh, proof of concept prototype or bench prototype. It's sort of like the science project. And they say, well, this kind of works, you know, can you make it a product? And we say, yes, of course we can make it a product. And then, you know, we <laughs> go, we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? Um, but, you know, we, we know that we have a process and we get through it. And, and while people often, you know, see the result and they see that, you know, they're like, wow, I'd like to be a part of that. The, the process is, is very, is very challenging. And mm, not everyone is comfortable with the ambiguity that comes along with that uncertainty and that blank sheet of paper, you know, uh, kind of moment. So I, I try to caution and, you know, tell people when, when we are inter- you know, interviewing them that, you know, it's not for everybody that, um, you know, it, it is an interesting and challenging process. Um, but it's also very, you know, it, it can be difficult to kind of manage that and like move forward with that ambiguity at, you know, at the same time. And engineers can often, some of them can have a struggle with that. They, I would say that s- school universities, you know, give people very, you know, clean problems. Here are your three knowns and one unknown, right? Solve for the one unknown. In real world, real world, it is opposite of that. You have maybe one known and three unknowns, and you have to throw guesses at the other unknowns until you converge on a solution. And so it's always interesting to see how people people think their way through of problems. So there's we have some very, very talented people um, that are very good at what they do. And we, you know, spend a lot of time making sure that, you know, they are that way. And finally, you know, when I started the company, I just wanted to work with good people, like yep. just good, per, you know, they're a good person. And so finding, you know, coming across the overlap of those two things, you know, <laughs> professionally, you know, very, uh, uh, highly capable and good people, right. Those are, we're, we're, we're thin slicing the, the, the population there a little bit. So. Thanks for that, Ray. Um, so one of the things, obviously, we're talking to the robot community, and is that something that's coming up more and more in your uh, basket of business is uh, electromechanical, robotics, automation, vision? Yeah, a little bit. We've, we, you know, some of the products we've developed have an element of uh, robotics and, and automation in them. Um, we're, I wouldn't say we're not uh, robot uh, design experts uh, by any stretch. Um, we got involved in an autonomous uh, weed picking vehicle for you know industrial farm fields. So this is not something you use in your backyard. It's it's to cover you know thousand thousand acre uh, industrial farms. So that would be one example. But you know in just in operating the business, I'd say maybe shifting more to the, the manufacturing uh, side of things. Um, what I don't and, and what I don't see is at least in, in our space and the kind of the areas that we compete in, I don't see a lot of robotics and automation. And when I started my career 30 years ago, my first job was in uh, automotive manufacturing and we were using pick and place robotics. You know, my customers were Toyota and Honda and they were, they had welding robots and it was, you know, it was highly automated at the time even. And so that exists, that existed 30 years ago and, and, be, and beyond in those environments. So what, you know, where we live in smaller companies, lower volume, you know, there really hasn't been a lot of, uh, not just activity, but just it hasn't been accessible to companies like us and our customers. And this is one reason why we're, you know, we're trying to bring more robotics and automation uh, vision systems into the manufacturing process. And, and I'll just almost stop at robotics automation, but also information automation. So, um, how do we bring, you know, com- um, marry the physical with the digital in terms of the products that we manufacture, the components we manufacture, and start the what they call the digital thread, you know? So 
serializing parts uh, as they get manufactured and combining them in assemblies and tracking and traceability and quality testing and having all those LinkedIn databases and things like that. So there's a lot of information automation that we're looking to inject in our uh, business as well. And I I just haven't seen a lot of that happening at, again, I'll, I'll caveat that, in, in the spaces that we live in. So I know there's a lot of bigger bigger manufacturers out there. This is happening every day, but it's just not available to a lot of the smaller companies. And I think it is now. It is more and more available now, and we're trying to you know, lead that way. Thanks for that, Ray. Did we forget to talk about anything today that you might want to chat with our uh, listeners? Maybe I'll, I will mention one thing um, sure. as it pertains to microfactory. So microfactories, again, have a, a large, usually have a large component of automation, but the other side of it is this flexible, low-volume aspect, so the flexibility. When I got started in my career in manufacturing, I was uh, fortunate to have the opportunity to work with Toyota as one of my customers, and they offered our facility to bring in their management consultants to help us implement their Toyota production system, so true just-in-time pole production. And and we did it, and it was it was quite an experience. It was remarkable the transformation. Um, and they didn't ask any, they didn't ask for anything. They didn't ask for any money. They didn't ask for any cost downs. It was just they just wanted us to be a better supplier to them. And we took that methodology and we expanded it across the entire plant, and we're able to reduce our warehouse space from eighty thousand square feet to nothing. That was thirty years ago, and since then. I haven't come across very many companies that have still done that. So I've always had this desire to exercise that, you know, that, that method again. And um, in a small, uh, low-volume environment, um, that can be a little bit difficult to do. And also the fact that this flexible automation is now available, I, I really think bringing those two things together, the flexible automation actually enables this flexible, you know, low, low volume uh, batch build uh, method in a way that's more competitive, I guess. Is, so we're, we're kind of marrying those, you know, those, the, the lean production system with some automation. And that's you know, our, our vision for the micro factory. Thanks for that, Ray. What, so kind of my last question that I wanted to ask you about. So when you're not manufacturing and project managing, what do you like to do? Do you have any hobbies? Are you racing cars? <laughs> No, no, not racing cars. That uh, that wasn't a, a previous life. But um, I actually didn't even race much. I just uh, I engineered a lot of them. And uh, so uh, what I like to do now, uh, I've 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 only got a few hobbies, and one big one is uh, is playing guitar and playing guitar. You know, playing with friends, playing music with friends. And actually, we even have a a small jam space in the office here that the, the team will bust out into playing some tunes once in a while. It's a good way to. Uh, to blow off some steam and uh, just kind of take you out of your head, get lost in music. That's great. Thank you very much for uh, coming on today. And how can people get a hold of you if they want to kind of learn a little bit more? Uh, sure. You can uh, find us online at uh, www.inertiapd.com. So inertiapd, for short for product development.com. Or uh, you can get me directly at rminato at inertiapd.com. Our sponsor for this episode is Earhart Automation Systems. Earhart builds and commissions turnkey solutions for their worldwide clients with over 80 years of precision manufacturing. They understand the complex world of robotics, automated manufacturing, and project management, delivering world-class custom automation on time and on budget. 
contact one of their sales engineers to see what Earhart can build for you. Their email address is info at Earhart Automation, and Earhart is hard to spell. It's E-H-R-H-A-R-D-T. And I'd like to acknowledge A3, the Association for Advancing Automation. They are the leading automation trade association for robotics, vision and imaging, motion control and motors, and the industrial artificial intelligence technologies. Visit automate.org to learn more. And if you'd like to get in touch with us at the Robot Industry Podcast, you can find me, Jim Beretta, on LinkedIn. Today's podcast was produced by Customer Attraction Industrial Marketing, and I'd like to recognize Chris Gray for the music, Jeffney Brenner for audio production, my business partner Janet, and our sponsors, Earhart Automation Systems.